Hello, and welcome to the Earthside Echo, your source for all the latest dispatches from Earthside. On this episode, we hear the closing arguments in the trial of Captain Samantha Thrace, and the court presents its verdict. The final testimony is given by Captain Thrace herself. Will she be found guilty of treason, or will she be toasted as a hero? We'll find out in this fourth and final installment of Trial by Fire. Based on the second testimony of Captain Thrace. Do you think we'll get there in time? Bell asked as they rode down the cobbled road alongside their company of 100 soldiers. They had confiscated two dozen carriages, both horse-drawn and motorised, and had split the company across the vehicles in whatever way they could manage. Thrace nodded. It's two days from London to Stonehenge, but we save time by only camping for a few hours. I think we'll make it. Margaret gripped the side of their motor carriage as it hit a large pothole in the dirt road. Their position at the front of the motorcade allowed them to avoid the clouds of dirt and dust that the carriages behind them had to contend with, but it still wasn't a pleasant journey. I hope that I'm not making a fool of myself by trusting your dreams, Samantha. I had to go through some back channels to requisition this many troops so quickly. Thrace stared into the distance ahead of them. Just between us? I hope I'm wrong. Margaret's radio crackled, and she raised the device to her ear, pressed her free hand against the other, and strained to listen to the voice on the other side. Whatever news she was receiving, it didn't look pleasant. The reports are pretty grim, Margaret said, as she lowered the radio back to her lap. Children stolen in the night, livestock slaughtered, more and more sightings of the beasts. Well, we'll get to see it for ourselves soon enough. We should reach Stonehenge within the next hour or so. Thrace let out a slow breath. Before long, two of the dragoons had been sent forward as scouts came riding back. They were riding hard. Miss Bell, Captain Thrace, the lead dragoon greeted them with a salute. There is a large enemy force up ahead, dug in at the monument, just like you said there would be. How strong? Thrace asked. I'd say roughly three hundred or so. It's difficult to count their numbers. There are so many different kinds of them, crawling all over each other. He shook his head. And there's something else. Margaret leaned forward. What? There's some sort of strange weather pattern, I suppose, hanging over Stonehenge itself. It almost looks like a tornado, but it's not spinning or moving, and there's not much of a funnel, so... He shook his head. I just don't have the words to describe it, ma'am. Margaret nodded. Good work, thank you. Back to your unit. The men saluted again and were off. Soon, the ancient stone monuments were visible over the rolling green of the landscape. The clouds above the stones were swirling like a whirlpool around a vast, deep ocean that churned at their centre. Under the inky waves, ancient eyes set their gaze on a fresh world as they waited for the portal to finish forming. Thrace cursed. We're almost out of time. We'll have to make do with what we have. She snatched the radio from Margaret and tossed it into their driver's lap. You, send word to London. We've encountered a large incursion of the hordes, and there are going to be a lot more of them very soon. We'll hold them as best we can, but we need support. Now. 
Thrace vaulted over the door of the motorised carriage and signalled for a runner. Make sure every unit has a working radio. I want two units of Royal Rifle Corps on either flank. We can create a cone of death to cut down their numbers as they charge us. We brought two Gatling guns. Have them set up and dig in along the flanks as well. Grenadiers and borderers are to hold the centre. I want Dragoons staying mobile and reinforcing the line wherever it weakens. Nobody goes charging off to do anything stupid. They'll be coming to us. The runner saluted and then was off to relay her orders to the sergeant of each unit. Margaret clicked her tongue as she exited the carriage. Times like this, I wish I had a more formal military training. She surveyed the battlefield, eyes scanning the enemy forces. Do you see anything that looks like a commander? She asked, drawing a knife from her sleeve. Thrace shook her head. There's something leading them, but we haven't yet been able to figure out just what it might look like. Probably something in the back, pushing the others forward. Their units barely had time to get into place before the first wave hit them. The Royal Rifle Corps started shooting at the open field ahead of them, much to Thrace's annoyance. She grabbed her radio and started shouting into it, yelling at their sergeant to get his men under control. But the words caught in her throat. In the seemingly empty field, the bullets of the Rifle Corps had found hunched creatures who had been creeping up on their position. The skulking monsters had been camouflaged somehow. Thrace immediately thought of the chameleon she had seen in a zoo as a child, but now that they were taking wounds, blood was splattering across their hidden forms. As the first Gatling gun spun up and started tearing the hidden assassins into pieces, Thrace mumbled an embarrassed word of praise for the sergeant's keen eyes and lowered the radio back to her belt. The open hills offered almost no protection to the hordes, and soon the soil was stained with their putrid gore. Rather than regroup and try another plan, the remaining creatures threw themselves into the battle. The monstrous centipede beasts, now known throughout the Empire as Karkinoi, led the charge, their rows of insectoid legs carrying them quickly into the killing field. The rifle corps let loose, turning a vast wave of the creatures into misshapen corpses. Scythe-like appendages were torn from bodies, and metallic shrieks pierced the summer air. Despite the hail of gunfire, two dozen of the things still managed to swarm through the kill zone and reach the Empire's battle lines. Some weren't even whole by the time they scuttled into the melee. Their mutilated segments fought on, even after being cut in half, hacking into the unflinching riflemen with the last moments of their frantic lives. Deadly appendages flashed crimson as they fell on their prey. The first unit of dragoons were there in an instant, riding through the carnage, sabres flashing and pistols roaring. One of the Karkinoi planted its scythe-like leg through a dragoon's horse, cutting the animal down while sending the soldier atop it into the ground. The creature fell upon the man with an inhuman scream, and the sound of ripping flesh and bone sent shivers down Thrace's spine. The dragoon didn't even have time to scream. The second unit of dragoons hit the carnage from the opposite side and quickly mopped up the remainder of the Karkinoi, hacking and trampling any that remained in the Empire ranks. Thrace took a moment to survey the scene and estimated that, along with the single dragoon who fell, one of the Rifle Corps unit had lost about a third of its strength. All in all, well within what she considered to be acceptable losses. She switched her radio over to a broad frequency. Good work, everyone. Now regroup and reload. They'll hit us again soon, and I'm sending one of the Grenadier units to relieve the Rifle Corps on the southern flank. Thrace signalled to the sergeant of the Grenadier unit. He saluted and gathered his men to join the left flank. As they marched off, 
she turned her attention back to the swarm as they approached. They were just testing our strength, Margaret murmured. Thrace nodded. Now the real attack comes. The horde swept towards their position like a cloud of fangs and claws, skittering and squirming into every weakness in the Empire's battle line. Whatever intelligence guided the hordes drove the weakest and most numerous of their numbers forward at the vanguard of their assault. Creatures of every shape and type hurtled themselves at the stalwart soldiers and were cut down by expert rifle and machine gun fire, but that only slowed them. To Thrace, it felt as trivial as tossing a bucket of water onto a forest fire. The beasts crashed into their lines, the inhuman shrieks of the alien monsters mixing with the all-too-human cries of pain. The clouds overhead turned dark and rumbled with thunder, and a moment later they broke, releasing a heavy rain down onto the Empire troops. As Thrace shielded her eyes and looked up into the sky, she saw the squat forms of winged, bug-like creatures silhouetted against the storm. "'Airborne units!' she shouted, not knowing whether any of her soldiers could even hear her over the roar of battle. The explosions of grenades split the air, rivalling the thunder overhead, and the front portion of the encroaching wave was blown to pieces as the grenadiers got into range. The borderers charged into the fray with glee, their steam fists pummeling anything that got in their way as they pushed back against the claws and teeth of the hordes. And through it all, the rifles kept firing, felling creature after creature with expert precision. Thrace drew her axe and charged into battle alongside the borderers, she alternated between hacking anything that got close to her into unrecognisable pieces and shouting orders over the radio she still clutched in her offhand. Borderers, form up! Hit the right flank! Rifles, free up that Gatling gun nest! Dragoons, hold the left! Keep those guns firing! Thrace caught sight of Margaret Bell, darting through the chaos, her long knives striking home, felling corpses wherever she went. The woman was unnaturally fast, one moment, Thrace would catch a glimpse of her on the left flank, only to turn her head to see Margaret leaping out of a hulking creature's shadow to slit its throat from behind. It was unnerving to watch, but soon Thrace was too engrossed in the battle and keeping everything together to pay much more attention to the spy. After what seemed like an eternity, the hordes finally pulled back, out of rifle range. Margaret appeared next to Thrace, seemingly out of nowhere, and nearly earned a surprised axe to the gut as her reward. Report? she asked, her breathing heavy. We've lost almost half our strength. Blood poured down Thrace's arm from a wound she couldn't even feel. We're good on ammunition, but we can't keep this up long. They have numbers on us. Bell nodded and glanced toward the portal. And soon, far more than that. The earth shook as a bellowing roar shattered the air like glass, releasing a deluge of brackish seawater from the opening portal. The tear in reality almost seemed to tremble as a tremendous beast pulled its way through the portal, falling from the dark ocean depths in the sky onto the green plain below amidst a waterfall of smaller creatures. Two sets of clawed arms, one larger than the other, bristled out from its meaty shoulders and chest, and its massive head swept from one side to the other, as if taking the measure of the new world it had entered. Give me a damn break, Thrace cursed under her breath. Margaret gawked. It's as large as a titan. She took a step backwards and glanced hopefully at Thrace. Have you fought one of these before? Once. How'd that work out? Thrace smiled. 
I hit it with a warship. Margaret's eyes widened as she looked back to the hulking monster. Did that kill it? Thrace wrinkled her brow. Not sure. Definitely made it angry. Fantastic. Margaret sighed. The great crawler flailed on the ground, trying to adjust to being on land. Crawlers prodded its ankles and legs with crude spears, encouraging it to get up, to hunt, to feed. It roared in anger, snatching a few of the crawlers and shoving them into its mouth. Feeding seemed to help the massive beast, and it slowly rose on two legs, its fish eyes fixating on the humans. Thrace switched on her radio. All right, everyone, it's been a long day, and it's about to get a lot longer. This bastard doesn't change anything. That thing comes toward us, we hold. The skies rain fire, we hold. The earth falls away beneath our feet, we hold. You hear me? This time, the hordes hit their lines with a renewed vigour. The guns of the king's empire answered, but the rapid staccato of bullets didn't seem to slow or hurt the lumbering alpha crawler. Freed from the attention of the punishing guns, the smaller creatures surged forward ahead of their titan, and reached the Empire's battle lines first. The first of the creatures forced the royal riflemen to resort to their bayonets to defend themselves, and behind them came the brutal Karkanoi, their scythe-like blade arms reaching over the smaller crawlers to hack human limbs from human torsos. We're losing, Belle pointed out, her eyes darting from the carnage on the front lines to the towering titan still stomping toward them. Might be time to signal the retreat, darling. Thrace shouted orders into her radio, directing her forces to fall back and protect the grenadiers as a unit waited for the Alpha Crawler to get into range. There's more of them pouring through that gate every moment. I don't know how long they can keep it open, but we have to close it before we end up with an entire army dropped on our back doorstep. Margaret raised an eyebrow. Does the guild have some sort of breach-closing magic that I'm not aware of? Because that would have been wonderful to have mentioned back at the Battle of London... Thrace sighed and shook her head. Not the guild, but... Margaret's eyes narrowed. You read that damned book! Found a copy in a West End bookstore. Thrace gave the other woman an apologetic look. Kept having dreams about it, along with the portal. I figured the two might be connected. Margaret poked Thrace in the chest with her icor-covered knife. Going to be honest here, Samantha, I might have to kill you for having done that. Wait until after I close the portal, at least. She glanced back at Stonehenge and the waterfall of ocean water that was pouring down from the open portal in the sky. Can you get me close to the... Margaret grabbed Thrace's arm, and a moment later, they were standing a few hundred feet away, beneath the central arch of Stonehenge. Monument, she finished, blinking her eyes in surprise as wisps of dark shadow boiled away from her arms. What in the... Margaret had collapsed to the ground, her eyes squeezed shut as she pressed her hands against her forehead. Damn, I hate that. Are you? Thrace reached down to Margaret, only to be waved away. Talk too much is all. Do what you have to do, the spy murmured, her face screwing up in pain. Going to be out of commission for a while, son of a... Thrace cast a glance down the field, where her forces were still fighting against the hordes. Surprisingly, despite the overwhelming odds, her force still held out. The grenadiers were peppering the Alpha Crawler with a succession of explosives, and it was rocking back on its feet, unsteady, its arms raised to shield its face from the grenades being thrown its way. The Royal Riflemen had formed defensive circles around the grenadiers, 
buying them time to finish off the Titan with their lives. At first, she thought that the borderers had been bested, but then she realised that the unit had merely broken ranks. Its members were still pounding the beasts into crushed meat with their pneumatic fists. They were just doing so without any discipline or order. She took some grim amusement in knowing that the men and women of South Wales were such hellions in combat. Thrace steeled herself and looked down to her bleeding arm. The Contion de Rege Flamme hadn't explained how to open or close a portal precisely, but it had left an impression upon her mind, and that impression had been filled with knowledge from her dreams. Thrace took a shaky breath, set her axe next to the nearest stone plinth, and pressed her hand against her bleeding arm wound. This is damn crazy, was all she could think to say. She knew what she was doing was madness, but it was the only chance they had. Reaching out, she carefully scrawled the sigils onto the sides of the monolith, forming them more from intuition than from any definite memory or knowledge of what she was doing. One glyph simply flowed into the next, until finally it was finished. Leaning forward, her head spinning from blood loss, Thrace pressed her hand against the centre of the sigil and murmured a soft, desperate prayer to whatever gods or forces might be listening. At first, nothing happened. Thrace felt her heart sink as she realised how foolish she had been to abandon her forces in their moment of need. The wind carried screams to her, barely audible over the sound of the roaring water crashing down from the nearby portal. Then the blood smeared on the glyph began to glow with a bright crimson light. It began to swirl and crackle with lightning, and the earth below her trembled ominously. Margaret struggled to pull herself to her feet. Did... did it work? Thrace backed away from the twisting runes and turned toward the portal overhead. It was shrinking in on itself, reducing the flow of water pouring out of it with each passing second. The brilliant colours playing around the edges of the portal lit up the water from within, making it look like a strange, watery approximation of the northern lights. With a final, brilliant flash of light, the vortex closed in on itself. As the last of it disappeared, a great bellowing thunder shook the ancient stonework, nearly knocking Thrace to her knees. She braced herself against the blood-smeared monolith and then pulled back in surprise. The stone was painfully hot to the touch. Keeping a close eye on it, she knelt down by Margaret's side and helped the woman to her feet. Come on, it's time to retreat. Margaret didn't put up much of a fight. What about the rest? One hand was still pressed to her temple, as if she were trying to force her migraine under control. Thrace shook her head. We closed the portal. That was the mission. Now it's time to make a tactical retreat. They will at least buy us time to return and make our report. She wrapped her arm around Margaret's waist. Can you do that weird teleport thing? Margaret wheezed. I can barely think straight. We'll have to footpad back, the old-fashioned way. Using her free hand, Thrace lifted Margaret, carrying her away from the battle behind them. She was tempted to look back over her shoulder to see how they were faring, but she knew it wouldn't change anything. All Margaret had to do was swivel her neck to witness the massacre behind them, and so she did. With her head still pounding, she was unable to find the words to describe her umbrage. Should we? Thrace answered. No. Courtroom. The silent courtroom was filled with open mouths and widened eyes. 
You... The prosecutor finally broke the silence. Sacrificed hundreds of loyal soldiers of the king's empire to... to perform some sort of blood ritual. For once, Thrace thought, his outrage was real. She nodded. Yes, but we couldn't have won that battle. We were outnumbered, and the porter was bringing in more reinforcements by the minute. Their sacrifice bought me enough time to save London. So you think that makes your abandonment justified? The prosecutor asked, folding his arms. Yes, Thrace replied. I still mourn their deaths. I remember every man and woman that died that day, but it was a tactical necessity. The prosecutor scoffed. How noble of you. You admit to intentionally abandoning them to be killed then? No, Thrace said. I would have avoided it if I could, but the battle was turning against us. If I didn't have a contingency plan, another army of those fish eyes would still be wandering the British countryside. Stop justifying your crimes. You sacrificed them in order to perform a ritual you learned from a book written by Ephraim Wade of all people. This is unspeakable. He turned to the magistrate. Your Honour, I move. Thrace leaned forward in her chair, her eyes boring into the prosecutor. Unspeakable? You seem to be speaking about it plenty. You talk, you judge, you watch. But how many of you have ever had to send good men and women to their deaths, knowing that all you were doing was buying time for others to escape? Thrace looked around the room, challenging anyone to speak up. You try to make it look pretty. You dress it up with words, collateral damage, friendly fire, civilian casualties, acceptable losses. They're all just different ways of saying death. Bloody, painful, humiliating, lonely death. If it's done right, it's death that serves a purpose. It might be a death on the top of a barricade in some slum that gave your neighbours a chance to run. It might be a death in bloody combat, saving the person next to you. Or it might be a death on an open field that banishes unnameable things back to the ocean they swam out of. Every person who enlists in the armed forces knows the risks. They also know what they're fighting for, and they're not fighting to appease your sensibilities or to win a petty squabble between the Guild and the King. There are things out there in the dark, and they don't care what uniform you wear or what language you speak. We can't expect to beat them by fighting in a way that's designed to make you feel good about yourself. Thrace sat back in her chair, her cheeks pink with fury. Captain Thrace, the magistrate spoke up. If there are no further questions... Is that the conclusion of your testimony? Thrace snorted as she stood up. Yeah, that's all. Put a rope around my neck or put an axe in my hand. I don't care. I'm done playing my part in this kangaroo court. Thrace stepped out of the huge tent that had been serving as a courtroom. The military encampment was located near Crawley, miles south of London, and was populated by a battalion of British troops and a large number of rich and powerful refugees. They had refused to move back to the city, and were now making themselves a nuisance by distracting the military with their unending requests and questions, but Thrace found she couldn't blame them. The news of the not-guilty verdict had already spread among those who waited outside the tent. She was proudly wearing her red guild coat despite the summer's heat, and already she could hear murmurs about guild corruption and traitorous intent among those unhappy with her acquittal. A guard escorted Thrace through the hostile onlookers, but his attempts to shield her were half-hearted. The crowd jostled her as she walked, 
but she never slowed her pace to allow him to catch up. She kept her head held high as she was shoved and pushed. My son was with you that day. You killed my son, a man shouted as he spat on the ram's head on Thrace's uniform. Thrace stopped briefly for that, sorrow welling in her eyes, but still she said nothing, offered no apology or defence. There were some things that words could never heal. At the edge of the onlookers, Margaret waited for her, a pleasant smile peeking out at her from beneath the wide sun hat. Congratulations on the acquittal, dear. I hope that my testimony played some small part in the verdict. Thrace snorted. You could have smoothed it out a bit. Margaret shrugged. I also came to give you a message. There were some higher-ups who insisted on a trial, given the state of the relationship between England and the Guild. Since your name was cleared, legally at least, that allows us to continue to work together. Thrace raised an eyebrow. Oh, wonderful. That was my greatest concern all throughout that ordeal. We work well together. Margaret's tone changed. That being said, if you ever become more of a liability to the Empire than an asset, your fate won't be decided in court. Do we understand each other? Thrace gave her a genuine smile. Perfectly. Great. Let's get lunch. That's it for another episode of the Earthside Echo. I hope you enjoyed the conclusion of Trial by Fire. Join us next time for more Dispatches from Earthside.